0: We're gonna get the call here. We're
1: getting the- What's up, Rangers and hockey fans? Thank you all so much for chiming in for a new episode here at Rangers Review. We've been gone for, I think, a week and a half now, mainly because there hasn't been too much to discuss for our Rangers. But as we know, a lot has happened, so the bulk of today's episode is going to be surrounding, yes, Henrik Lundqvist and his retirement. The king is finally hanging the skates up, and we're going to be breaking down, really taking a look at Hank's career in today's stream, in today's actual recording wherever you get your podcast, if you're, say, not watching this live on YouTube right now. And we will also be taking a look into what is expected on the potential date that he is going to have his number retired this upcoming season for the Rangers. We'll also be taking a look at some other Rangers that could potentially have their number retired, maybe within the coming years that maybe haven't been already are, and are deserving. We'll be doing a latest prospect update along with plenty of other in this Rangers discussion. So, again, thank you all so much to everyone that is first chiming into the stream. We really appreciate you guys. But, Stephen, how are you doing today, my friend?
0: I'm uh, doing good, you? It's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a quiet week until yesterday.
1: It has been a quiet week until yesterday. I agree. And, you know, it, this was something that I kind of expected. And uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Richie Ch- uh, says in the chat right now in the live stream, all my homies hate Patrick Bacon. That's hilarious, um. But I okay. So I think what I want to get yeah, so, off here. So back. quickly
0: on the, on the Patrick Bacon thing. Okay. Okay. I don't want to get into that too much, but this guy, you know, he believes in certain numbers and certain analytics, which is perfectly fine. And he was talking about arena bias that makes that made Lundqvist numbers look better than it, than he actually is. Look, it's fine. I'm, I, I, fans are fine if you bring that up, but what annoyed most fans is that he quote tweeted Lunquist's retirement announcement to to make that point yeah that's that's what people had a problem with um you can agree or disagree with the guy I personally disagree with most of his posts because he has another tweet about Brandon Othman that makes no sense you know um but the fact that he quote tweeted Lundqvist's retirement announcement to get his message across. That's what pissed off most people.
1: Yeah. And right. And look, anyone that has the audacity to slander our king on the day of his retirement, you know, go kick rocks. Of course, people are going to be like that, you know, any, any way for them to get their last slander in. Cause it's no, that it's literally the last that they can do. Maybe some people will be taking it to their grave because they have nothing better to say than, Oh, the King with no reins and et cetera. Like, We've heard this all before. You know this has been going okay. on. In the past. Listen,
0: Henrik Lundqvist is not called the King because of championships. Correct. He's called the King because he plays for Team Sweden, who which whose logo is three crowns, and King Henrik is a reference to King Henry. So exactly. Those are, two, those are two reasons behind the nickname, and people saying, "Oh, he has never won the Stanley Cup." Yeah, but he won Olympic gold in 2006 he won championships in sweden uh he won the world championship with the swedish national team it's not like he never won anything he was just he just never won a stanley cup and that's as 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 much as it pains me to say this uh it's 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 his own fault indirectly because he played too good in net for the rangers to properly rebuild in the salary cap era
1: <laughs> so we have to put it against him because it just. No, I'm, not, I'm not putting it
0: against him. I'm just saying every team in the salary cap era has built through the draft. You know, you get you get your 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 defining players first, second, and third overall. And with Lundqvist in net, we were never there. Um, Hockey stat posted about Henrik Lundqvist. The first time Henrik Lundqvist played in a meaningless game and by meaningless he means a game where his team has 0% chance of winning the Stanley Cup. The first game for Henrik Lundqvist that was meaningless was game number 930. He played 900 he was involved in 929 games where his team was either in the hunt for the playoffs or in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. That's that's insane. He Absolutely. had 30 win seasons. 11 out of his first 12 seasons. The only other season he didn't have 30 wins was the shortened season where he led the league with 24. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So yeah, Henrik Lundqvist is the best goalie the Rangers have ever had regardless of him winning a Stanley Cup or not. No, Henrik I... Lundqvist is probably the best goalie of his generation. Even though other goalies may have better results. Uh Martin brodor has more wins. I'd I wouldn't consider him a better goalie. He had a defense in front of him that allowed him to get seven save shutouts.
1: Don't get, don't get me started it, with he, the trap. Yeah. Like it, he, he yeah. plays
0: 60 minutes and get a shutout for making seven saves. Uh Henrik Lundquist in game seven of the playoffs is unrivaled. No goalie comes even close. Mm-hmm. Uh, three years in a row, he played a game seven on the same date, May 13th. Yep. Uh, 2013, 2014, 2015. May 13th. Each of those three games, he made 35 saves. It's crazy. Henrik Lundqvist was the best goalie this team has ever had. The best goalie of his generation. Probably, definitely top 10 goalie of all time, maybe even top five
1: it's so poetic when you look at Hank's career in a lot of ways with how yeah. it performed with the and Rangers. And the only,
0: the only the last thing I'll say about the whole Stanley Cup thing is this. If you are one of those people that thinks that other goalies are better because they won a Stanley Cup, then you must also think that Christopher Stieg and Dan Carcillo are better than Conor McDavid because they have they have won Stanley Cups. Yeah. that's basically the argument you're making here.
1: Oh, it, look! We're not going to beat a dead horse here. It goes back to the Corey Crawford arguments, you know, like it, all those kind of things. Look, we're not Corey
0: Miami, Ken Ward. Um, look, Jordan Binnington, uh, Matt Murray. There are. Carry Price is see. still
1: undoubtedly the best there ever was and will be, right? Like it just. Sorry? I said, and yet Carry Price is still the best there ever was and will be, right? <laughs> it, it's all about it's all about narratives, okay. Yeah, um, if
0: if Henrik was was Canadian, we wouldn't be having this conversation.
1: No, we wouldn't. Because
0: not. every every
1: media outlet would uh, would
0: would praise him for everything he did.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think what I really want to focus on the bulk of today's episode. And again, thank you everyone that's first chiming in the live stream. And I know it was a late setup here for the live stream and for the recording that'll be coming up after the fact. So if you hear this in podcast form, it'll be a little later after we had this live on YouTube. Um, but When you look back on Hank's career, uh, I really want to ask you what moments stood out to you. Like, as a Rangers fan, as you've been a Rangers fan longer than Hank's career has been to this point. But I want to know, like, what was the first eye-opening moment for you? Because for me, I've been a diehard Rangers fan since the really, uh, what was it, the 2012 run when they lost in the conference finals to, obviously, the Devils. That was my first season as a young man, and I was at the age of twelve that year. So to put things in perspective, where I watched every single game, I was devoted. I loved hockey, and Hank just—you know—Hank was Hank. He—that was one of his best seasons in his entire career. It was remarkable what the Rangers did to fall short there, unfortunately, in overtime. But that was really my first taste of what Lundqvist was like. I saw him. I've been to Rangers games prior to MSG when I was a kid. But when you're a kid, it's really hard to focus as well. Um, but from that point on, completely locked in. There's so many memories I have. But again, as a young man myself, who is still very young to this point, that grew up a die Rangers fan, he's my entire childhood. So when the Rangers bought him out over the past two years, I was heartbroken. You know, I was literally emotional. You knew what was going to happen. But even though you knew what to expect, it doesn't lessen the blow. Basically, that's truly how I felt. Hank has been a record breaker. He holds more records than you, and you could even imagine when it comes to the Rangers and their franchise <laughs> history. He holds numerous records in the NHL when it, when it comes to goaltending statistics, whether he's in top 10, top 20, or even higher, especially playoff performances. He's one of the best to ever do it. He was the Rangers, Mr. Game seven in a nutshell. If there was a goaltender to look at outside of a score, that being Justin Williams, unfortunately his time with the Canes, especially, uh, but goaltending wise, there isn't a guy That stands out more to me than Hank. You know, just an absolute lock. You knew what you were getting. The streak he had with the Rangers was absolutely magnificent. And there's so many highly real saves and memories that you could think about with him. And some of them are a little cliche on my point. um, Or just what you would kind of expect as a stereotype in the sense of, the Winter Classic, you know, against the Flyers, the first outdoor game for the Rangers—not technically the first outdoor game, but their first Winter Classic, at least—and we had it was shut- it was the first
0: outdoor official outdoor game because they played an outdoor game as a preseason friendly in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah yeah that's Kings. what
1: I mean it's it's it was their first Winter Classic, and yeah. we saw him to shut down Danny Briere that was absolutely insane. Um, other moments that stand out to me, I was shouting my brother. Uh, We were watching this game live. I'm trying to think of. It was this, it was the season opener. Um, I want to say it was 2013 or 2014 and it was against the Bruins and it was a save on Krejci. And that, that was just jaw dropping to me as a young fan. That one, that like that, that one probably stands out to me the most, if not close to the most, then you of course have the playoff saves between, you know, Vanek would gain him with the blocker against Montreal to help the Rangers advance. Um, I think Ryan Johansson during his time with Columbus blue jackets, and he was able to get the stop. There's so many different saves. Those are just a couple that first pop in my mind. So Stephen, I'll let you run with it now before I go back and share some more stances on Hank, what were the moments and memories that stood out the most to you on first becoming a fan of his when you mm-hmm. realized that he is the real deal. And secondly, what were the biggest saves that stood out to you in his career?
0: yeah like the the, um, the penalty shot save on Danny Briere and the winter classic in 2012 stands out of um <clears throat> I remember at the time thinking uh you know it was it was a l- little bit of a cheap uh a cheap awarded penalty shot for the Flyers but it just added to his legacy um I think watching him in the road to the winter classic show on HBO gave fans a bit of a glimpse into what he's like as a person. Um I think we 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 were blessed to have 15 years of Henrik Lundqvist in net and um like I like I said earlier he didn't play a meaningless game until game 930 of his career. That's that's all you need to know. He made the playoffs every year and the one year he missed the playoffs with his team it was the final game. So what else can you say that this the individual saves the one against the Bruins that you alluded to, there was one against I think it was on Kuznetsov, um, <coughs> where he he threw his leg around and kicked it out. Yeah. There have been so many so many great saves. Um, it's just it, I was never a big Henrik Lundqvist fan. That doesn't mean I didn't like him. It. It's just that if I if I were to pick five players of the 2014 team to take a picture with, he would probably not be among the top five for me. Wait, 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 wait.
1: Steven, Steven. I, I, Paul, I appreciate pump. what he did. I appreciate Pumped, what he no, did. No, 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 no. Steven, pump yep. the brakes here. That, yep. that that felt like the biggest smack in my face. Where, yep. I, I have the yep. audacity for you. I, I brought this up yesterday. And someone, as well. Steven? And someone Steven.
0: Was, listen, listen. someone responded the same way, and let me explain. Please. When I say he wasn't my favorite player, doesn't mean I didn't appreciate him or didn't like him. It's just that when I, I – I met him once in Nashville in 2019. Okay. And, you know, there were other people with us. They wanted a picture taken with him, so I let them go first. And when it was my turn, he didn't have time. He had to get on the bus. And I don't regret it, to be honest, because it meant more to those fans than it did to me. But why? Um, because it you just connect with certain players more than with others. like
1: Okay. I can understand that.
0: In the late 90s, early 2000s, Peter Ned was my favorite player, not because he was the best on the team, but you connect with with him because of the way they play or because you meet him in person and they say something or whatever. But Henrik Lundqvist was the best goalie in Rangers history, in my opinion, ahead of Mike Richter, despite not winning a Stanley Cup. If you put Henrik Lundqvist on that 94 team, we still win the Cup. Whereas if you put Mike Richter on the Rangers in the 2010s, I don't think we make it to the Cup Final in 2014 or the Conference Finals in 2012 and 2015. Agreed. Um, I think the fans appreciate what he did for this team. He's going to have his number retired, which is great. Um, and people were like, oh, maybe maybe we should wait. Why wait? The Devils retired Brodeur's number literally the season after he retired. Yep. The Rangers doing the exact same thing with Lundqvist. I love it. I love their dedication to it. Uh, they haven't announced the date yet. I personally, I hope it's against the Blues uh, because that game is on his 40th birthday, March second.
1: Yeah, and plus that'll also be the first game against the Blues of the season, which means it'll be the return of Pavel Bureš David. So if you're going to get David. emotional for a game, you might as well get you know kill two birds and one stone. If that makes sense, yeah. it, it's that feels poetic in itself too. So I think that that would be quite quite something as well. And also Bucinavich to be able to at least see Hank again as well, you know, cause who's who knows the next time they'll <laughs> potentially interact. You know, they were teammates for quite a while too. So, but okay. So I, I, I took early offense to your stance on Hank, but I also came to a quick realization. You have been open about the fact that your favorite players always kind of growing up, haven't been the number one stars on the team. You go for either the more underrated players or just someone that stands out to you that. Strictly isn't the number one. You kind of want to stand away from what either the norm is or the heavy it's, favorite.
0: It's, it's not that. It's just like someone's favorite player is not always the team's best player. Correct. Like I'm pretty sure in the 1980s there were there were Edmonton Oilers fans whose favorite player was Mark Messier, not Wayne Gretzky.
1: Yep. Uh,
0: you, you just gravitate towards players regardless of how good they are for the team. Um yeah. my fiance was a huge fan of Michael Dell's not because he was the best player on the team <laughs> but you know that's a great point too
1: <laughs> mdz <laughs> you know um, um yeah.
0: but Henrik Lankvist like i said you know he deserves all the credit that he's getting um and i look forward to the jersey retirement
1: and i already know he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer no question there should be absolutely no question at, at all the kane is a prime example of yeah you don't need a Stanley cup championship to have solidified yourself in NHL history. That is him in a nutshell. Yeah. Again, I like, I, I'm, I know it be a little funny to you, but I find myself almost getting emotional right now at the time of talking about him. Cause one, it's been a while for him Two, We know what happened with him. Rangers bomb out. He signed with the capitals in which I have a capitals jersey. shout out to my future sister-in-law that actually got it to me because I was like, I'm going to root for Hank, no matter where he goes. I just want him to win. Then of course that shut down. He had to have um, triple bypass surgery, which is unbelievably important. That's a big deal, and I'm sure that's going directly in hand with his retirement because that's not an easy thing to recover from. Yeah. Let alone when you're already in the twilight of your career. So I'm curious. I'm probably never even going to wear that shirt. I'm going to just have it aside and see you know what the future holds for that because I, him and is disgusting. So I'm glad that I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm just upset that it didn't happen because of. An injury. Let me put it that way. Um, he, he's
0: as much a capital as Mike Richter was an oiler. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I completely forgot Richter was an oiler. They were so part cool of that
0: franchise, and they never played a game for them. Yep. Like Messier and the Sharks.
1: Yep. Yes, Mess and the Sharks. Graves played some games with the Sharks, but not Mess.
0: Interesting. Uh, the pick they got for Messier, they used to draft Ryan Callahan. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember. I think, I think you probably tweeted that out at some point. I probably
0: mentioned it once, once yeah, or twice. De- you definitely that, did. The the, the the age of compensatory draft picks was wild. It was crazy. Teams would just trade their pending UFAs for a, a, a fourth round pick to a team that then wouldn't sign them and get a third round pick as compensation. It was yep. so corrupt.
1: Yeah, it was so corrupt. Thank goodness that that has changed at least um, for teams that didn't benefit. But to go pivot back more on Hank here, and again, I think when you look at how his career has progressed, and I remind myself of the endless highlight videos I've watched of Hank throughout his career, even after I watched the game live, and I just need to see it on replay, it's like, how did this man do what he did? It just, we are never going to see a guy guy like Henrik Lundqvist again, regardless of what Igor Shostorkin's peak is going to be in his career. There will never, ever be a guy of Hank's magnitude. I, I will be baffled if a goaltender ever becomes close to what Hank has done during uh, his impact on the Rangers specifically, not seeing from an overall career standpoint in the NHL, just with the Rangers, you know, he is solidified set in stone. There's no one better. You can't tell me otherwise. And this and, isn't, a, this isn't a slight on anyone either yeah. between Richter, uh, JD Van Besbrook, whoever, it's not a slight on them, but realistically it just, it's not even close.
0: Yeah. And let's not forget that Henrik Lundqvist is in the conversation for most valuable draft pick in NHL history.
1: I mean, Getting- when you snag a guy like him in the 7th round, it's kind of yeah. a big deal.
0: Yeah. I know I know guys like Datsuk and Zetterberg were late round picks, yep. but uh when you get a Hall
1: of Fame goalie in the 7th round, man, that's it's it's hard to top that. It is hard to top that. And look, goaltenders are one of those things where it's not uncommon to draft a goaltender in the mid to later rounds and have success. That is the least prioritized position in the early rounds, historically speaking. Look yeah. at Igor Shosturkin, for example. He was drafted in the middle rounds for the Rangers as well. Early middle, but still. He was actually
0: the second goalie drafted by the Rangers, that, that draft.
1: I Exactly, yep. Because they, uh, they well, picked Brandon Halverson in the first, second round. Right? Right? Yep. Brandon
0: Halverson in the second, and Shosturkin in the fourth. Yep. Um, by getting Henrik Lundqvist 205th overall in the same year that the Islanders get DiPietro first overall, that's um, that's something that's juicy.
1: It is juicy. And
0: speaking of DiPietro, uh, he's getting paid by the Islanders for another eight years.
1: Oh, did he sign an extension with them for uh, yeah. uh, like uh, broadcasting? No, the buyout. I'm just oh, talking the- about the buyout. Oh, there's still another eight years on that until 2029. Oh, my God. How much is he getting a year?
0: Uh, I think 1.5 million.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say it has to be just over one. That's 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 awfully reminiscent of uh Bobby Bonilla for the New York yep. Mets because they've had his deferred money for so long. Look,
0: Brad Richards is getting paid 1.1 million until 2026, mm-hmm. and I have this weird image in my head that every year on July 1st, Bonilla, Richards, and DiPietro meet up in New York City <laughs> and share it. And just, and just share a bottle of champagne to celebrate <laughs> that they got another million dollars.
1: Yeah, uh, New York sports and their buyouts goes together. But that. Like I think he's
0: still on their broadcast, so he's he's getting two paychecks.
1: What's that? I'm sorry.
0: He's getting two paychecks because I think he's also on the Islanders' broadcast.
1: No, he is. That's why I got thrown off. I didn't realize it was eight more years. That's g- good. Good for, <laughs> yeah. good for Ricky. Good for Ricky. That's him. all I can yeah. say. Granted, he has gone through a lot. I know that he hasn't had, you know, by any means a perfect life. So I don't have any ill will against the man, but he is a walking meme to this day when it comes to that contract and just how it fell out, especially if you're a Rangers fan, you you eat that stuff up for breakfast. Um, Oh, interesting question here from Richie. And because we have um, a lack of questions in the chat right now as we're doing the live stream and also the recording for Rangers review right now. Thank you all so much, everyone chiming in. I want to answer this because he brings it up all the time. Um, not when it comes about Hank, but just in general with this draft. What helps Hank more, taking Cam Fowler or Vladimir Tarasenko or over um, uh, Miguel Mac.
0: Oh, okay. So if we're going to go that route, we need to start in 2003. Because the, in, in the first 10 years of, of Henrik's career as a Rangers player, and by that I started in 2000 when we drafted him, those first 10 years, so many things went wrong. If those things go right, Henrik Lundqvist has at least one ring, maybe even more. Um, Hugh Jessiman's injury in two, uh, in two thousand three, after he was drafted by the Rangers, he broke his leg in college. If he doesn't break his leg, what what happens then? Yeah. Uh, if, if we draft Claude Giroux instead of Bobby Sanguinetti,
1: yeah.
0: What if Sharapanov is still alive? Mm-hmm. What if Michael I will? That Scott- will
1: always be something that I think. Look. I yeah. wasn't at that point in time, I wasn't involved with the Rangers. I was very young, but after doing my homework on that, you know, there was a lot there was a lot of hype going into him too. Oh, there was. And rightfully so, yes. Yeah. He he I really was, was he was a real deal.
0: The season he died, he was over a point per game with avant-garde omsk. He was playing with Yager, and he had a heart attack on the bench. It was brutal. Um, what if Michael Sauer wears a chin strap when he gets hit by Dion Funuf?
1: Oh my god, I, we will always hate Dion Wait, for that.
0: No, but I, I just named four or five things that if if one or two of those things go the other way, we probably win a cup between 2012 and 2016, maybe even yeah. two.
1: Yeah, no, you and I the reason why um this was brought up though about Fowler is because you know my I know that he at least has been always a really like we've been yeah. I for a while he was really invested in Cam Fowler. I've liked him for a long time. Vladimir, uh that's the thing. When you look at the Rangers, I do think that there is potential that Tarasenko actually would have helped Hank out more in the end, and the Rangers acquired him, mainly because the Rangers, in their core time, especially in the early 2010s, they had a rock solid defense. Defense was not the problem for that club. We're well aware of that, especially no, no, we need scoring, scoring. Yes, exactly. During the times of Tortorella, they were a lockdown. The offense was so strong defensively as well, but they just could not have that transition game. And outside of Marion Gabrick, they didn't really have that go-to guy. You know, it was a one-man show when Marion was here, and outside of that, then when Nash came, that was short-lived between those two, as we know, and Nash Nash had his one year where he was really showing his scoring ability, but he just became a a phenom with his two-way game, which again, wasn't bad, but... It wasn't what the Rangers were initially trying to get either when they acquired it's him. Not, it's so. not what we needed. Correct. Correct. It's not. It's
0: not that Nash as a two-way player is bad, but it's like the conversation we're having now with Kako and Lafreniere. Yeah. What would this team look like if we had drafted a center instead? Yeah. That doesn't mean that 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 we should have just you know picked a center instead of Lafreniere or instead of Kako. It just means same with Nash here. Yeah, we acquired Nash. And then, you know, he became more known for his two-way game, which is great if that's what you need. But the Rangers needed some offense. Um, I think Matt Zuccarello led the team in scoring with 58 or 59 points in, yes. in three, three of the four seasons.
1: Yes, you're absolutely right.
0: If your top goal scorer is, is not even hitting 60, top point scorer, There's an issue. not even hitting 60, you have issues. Um, and it's no surprise that the one year Nash actually put up 40 plus goals the Rangers go on to win the president's trophy
1: yeah
0: it's not a coincidence um but the Rangers needed more the, uh, when they when they traded for Rick Nash they gave up their depth by getting rid of Anisimov and Dubinsky they recouped that a little bit with the Gaverick trade where they added Brassard and Dorset and yeah. John Moore mm-hmm. but the Rangers never really had those contributors. From a young age and in 2010 i know they went for Macrath because of the the Gabry hit um in, i think gabrie ended up with a concussion in the 20 2009 2010 season so they wanted to go for like a physical defenseman that could defend uh, you know that could protect our players but if you want to go for a defenseman in 2010 it's probably fowler um tarasenko yeah people always say people always bring up Tarasenko, but even even the Blues passed on him. The Blues drafted Jaden Swartz 12th overall before they picked Tarasenko at 14. Yep. So,
1: yeah. He was there another are... one of those Russian, case, uh, Russian cases, though, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and let's
0: also not forget, this was a year after Cherapanov died. Yeah. <clears throat> I think Cherapanov died in 2009, or maybe 2008.
1: Which, um, as messed up as it is, there are, there were probably some scouting that were influenced by that in a negative light. It somehow, yeah, some I mean, light the, the, the Russian
0: factor. People talk about the Russian factor, and and we talk yep. about how Russian kids refuse to come over. That's that's not really an issue. To me, the Russian factor was that teams were hesitant to draft a player because of the Chirapanov incident. Um, I can understand the concern, but. Yeah, that was one of the draft decisions that, that cost us a potential cup.
1: Yeah, and uh, to expand more, though, on Hank and looking at what he has done through the years and literally over a decade straight, I mean, when I'm trying to think of now in his early reign with the Rangers and then gain more towards when we're getting towards the rebuild, and I think I, what just stood out to me and will never be denied at all is this man, especially in their run where they went all the way to the Cup in 2014, like the amount of times that man had a 50-save appearance in playoffs and throughout the entire Stanley Cup Finals, I'm like, the Rangers had no business being where they were at all. And Hank, just sing, he stood on his head the entire time. I've never seen a goaltending performance the way he did. And no. all those losses, they, none of them were his fault at all. It just remarkable. It truly felt like fifty saves every single game in that series. I'm sure that is inaccurate, but that's how it felt from the workload. And remember, in that series as well, the Rangers were leading in multiple of those games, and then they just they couldn't they couldn't hang tight. Um, so, yeah. I guess my question, you now, Stephen, as we're still um, gathering together our thoughts on the retirement of the best goaltender Rangers history, and one of the best of all time, undoubtedly, in Henry Lundqvist is. Is there a specific playoff performance that stands out to you that maybe gets pushed under the rug a little bit? Maybe it's because the Rangers lost that series. Maybe it was before they really went on their tears of having deep playoff success. Like, Is it a, is it a game against the Capitals in the early 2010s and one of their first-round exits? Like, Is there anything that crosses your mind that maybe doesn't get enough credit that it rightfully deserves?
0: <coughs> well, I didn't watch a lot of Rangers hockey between 2007 and 2010 because I was living in South Africa at the time Mm -hmm. um but what I do remember is coming back to the Netherlands in 2010 and started to pick up watching Ranger games again um I remember that first round exit against the Capitals I think we lost 4-1 to them in 2011 uh 2010 or 2011. um and I kept thinking you know the Capitals are a better team in every position except goaltending. And it was it was obvious. Um, that one year the Rangers missed the playoffs, I think, was a shootout against the Flyers.
1: Yes. Yes, it was.
0: Um, I mean, what a brutal way to end your season.
1: And the Flyers went on to the Stanley Cup that year just to follow. Uh, they the made Latin it off. to the
0: final. I think they had 2010. Um, brutal, brutal way to end your season, to lose in a shootout. Um, but what stands out to me, I think, is just the 2011-2012 season. Not just because that's the year he won the Vezina, but that season had so many memorable moments um, that go hand-in-hand hand with Lundquist's performance. It was the first year of Brad Richards as a Ranger. There was his goal. He scored against the Coyotes with 0.1 seconds on the clock. Yeah. Then there was the series against Senators. Um yeah, that was, you know that was electric. Uh where where Dubinsky gets uh it gets um uh what's the word? Um ejected from the game. Yep. And he tosses the Gatorade bucket. Iconic. Uh yeah. Um richard's tying it up with 6.6 stall winning it and over oh my god
1: oh that gives me chills just saying, Crider, that, was, that was insane
0: there's a Crider who who comes onto the scene out of college and scores some amazing goals <coughs>
1: and then you may wait, it wait the- i'm sorry is that the do they play the capitals in the playoffs
0: that year Yeah, they played the Senators in the first round, Capitals the second round. So
1: Caps is when Gabrick scored in double overtime, right? The triple overtime, actually. Triple overtime. I remember everyone in my house was asleep. I had to wake up a couple hours for school. I even did a report on it for school. I will
0: never forget that game because I stayed up all night, and that game ended at quarter to seven my time. (laughs) I had to be at work at at 8.30, and I fell asleep at my
1: desk. That that was my first, like – and wow, my, yeah. Probably. my manager okay.
0: walks up to my desk and he goes, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, you should go home and get some sleep. I'm like, okay. And he goes, but before you leave, did they at least win? And I'm like, yeah, they won. He's like, okay, then it was worth it.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, but my manager sent me home. Um, yeah, the game ended at quarter to seven my time. It was ridiculous. Um, That's crazy. Triple overtime. Gavrik, Gavrik was jumping around, but his knees were almost given up. Mm-hmm. He just didn't have any energy left. And, the and triple sure enough, he scores
1: five-hole right in front of Holpe.
0: I think so, yeah. The triple yeah. overtime game. But that entire season, you know, sweeping the Flyers, the Winter Classic game. It was um, electric. Everything it about was, it, was it was just so great unique. Season. It was such a great season. And then you acquire Rick Nash in the offseason, and you think, okay, we're going to build on this. And then the lockout happens. Oh, man, that was that was brutal. But 2014, everyone remembers that for the Stanley Cup final. 2015 is probably the one postseason where I put some blame on Lundqvist, because we talk about not scoring a goal in Game Five and Game Seven against Tampa, but we also conceded six in Games Two and Three. Um, Conceding twelve goals in two games is is brutal, especially in a in a conference final. Um, But I I I don't want to. I think it's it's too simplistic to put blame solely on the offense for how that happened. How that ended uh was it
1: was it kucherov's rookie year
0: i think so yeah, yeah i remember i remember, remember them referring to them as the triplets kucherov palat and johnson i think
1: yeah they were high <laughs> flying i remember when kucherov scored one of the game winners in that series in tampa yeah. i'm yeah. almost turned and i was like oh i'm like he's gonna be a problem
0: yeah um and then the 2015-16 season, uh, I remember I was in Seattle for two months and I was watching Ranger games. Seriously, I was watching Ranger games at 4 in the afternoon. It was it was the life. It was amazing. For someone who always watches the Rangers at 1 a.m., getting to watch them at 4 p.m. or 10 a.m. for like an afternoon game, that was amazing. And Lundquist had probably the best start to a season in his career in 2015-16. Um it was just it was it was an amazing start to the season. Um I remember this one game against Ottawa. Um I was in Vancouver that weekend. The Rangers won in a shootout. That was the weekend that they had the um uh they were playing the French national anthem because of the terror attacks in Paris. Yes. And I think Zuccarello scored the winning goal, but Lundqvist, I think, stopped two in that shootout. Uh, like it's just certain games that really stick with me, you know, um, there was a game against the Penguins in December, 2010, uh, in Pittsburgh where Anisimov skated through four opponents and then, uh, and then roofed it into the top of the net behind Brent Johnson. That's, that was the first game I watched after coming back from South Africa. That game will always stick with me for some reason. Oh, wow there's just so many memories you know we we can talk about this for three four hours
1: yeah um
0: the world the world championship uh, where they won gold, which was the only thing at international level that he was still missing uh, that was that was great um the preseason game against Folunda in two thousand and eleven where he was wearing the a where he was an assistant captain um yeah there's there's so much to so much to 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 mention here he had he had a he had a 15 year career and despite not winning a cup he had so many memorable moments um
1: in his the, prime he was a human highlight reel every single game it felt like
0: and just off the ice too you know he was such a great person off that we're starting we're starting to sound like the guy passed away
1: i but know but again though you know, he retired the,
0: but yeah off the ice he was he was he was a class act too
1: he absolutely um, it, it, he was an otherworldly figure for the Rangers. He was the yeah. embodiment of what it meant to be as a Ranger and, in the face of a franchise in the big, in the big Apple, no less. That's not a, yeah. t- that's not an easy task for a seventh round pick mm-hmm. back in 2000 to do. And I, and I he- hear
0: people already saying that we should hire him as an assistant GM and this and that, but no, <clears throat> let's, let's pump the brakes here for a bit. You know, he just retired. Let's see what he wants first, because some players just don't want to go into coaching or, or upper management.
1: So I think we'll he will that. be back with the Rangers, even if it is just in an, as an as a advisory role. Um, maybe but I don't maybe expect him. Do, yeah,
0: maybe they can do what Columbus did with Rick Nash. Yeah, uh, they hired him as assistant to the general manager, not assistant general manager,
1: assistant to the general manager. If you guys are watchers of the TV show The Office, then you <laughs> understand how funny that sounds.
0: I remember when it was announced, and the first thing I thought of was Dwight Schrute. <laughs> um assistant to the general manager yeah if they can they, 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 i'm pretty sure they'll find something yeah uh but in his numbers going up in the rafters so he's going to be in the hall of fame um and you know to to end this before we move on to different topics um don't be sad that it's over be glad that it happened
1: yes as 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 cliche as that is it's 100 percent true you need you need a We need to sit back and enjoy everything that Hank brought us. And again, that's a big part of my life that's now gone. You know, it was gone when he was bought out. But still, like that is that's my childhood. Like without Hank, I don't think I'd be a Rangers fan to the same extent that I am today. Like that's the kind of impact he had on me. Him and Matt Zuccarello, those were my guys. So when Zuc was gone, it was already a tough blow as it was. I understood it. But man, did that hurt! I have a life-size right. poster is, of Duke in my room as we speak. Yeah. So and this, see, this is, this is so. my
0: this is my second generation Ranger players that are now retiring. Yeah, you know, I I went through the '94 generation with Graves, Leach, Richter, Messier, Kovalev, mm-hmm. uh, Zubov. Um, when they retired, yeah, it was it was the end of an era. And now this generation with Lundquist, uh Yager is part of that generation, like the salary cap era generation. Uh, Derek Stepan, uh, Chris Kreider, luckily is still on the ice, so he's part of that too. Um, it was it was a different era. It didn't result in a cup win, but despite not winning a cup, I have so many great memories of the, the 2010s of the Rangers because they helped me through some tough moments after my divorce. They helped me get back into a normal routine. Um, And yeah, it's, it's going to be part of my life as a Rangers part of my legacy as a Rangers fan.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent agree. And, before we get completely off the topic of Hank here, I did want to address a couple questions in the chat because it's a slow sure. moving chat today. So that way we can kind of go about them instead of doing the normal Q and A segment. So if you guys are listening in podcast form, just bear with us. I think you guys are going to enjoy these. So uh, Richie says here, it'll be interesting to see how much pull, um, if known, Lundqvist had on trades. That's a great. That's actually um, a really curious topic as well. He said, "Did his interaction with Step on after the loss to Ottawa play into Step on being dealt?" That's, that's real. I, I never even I haven't thought about that in years. That's actually a great question. That's that's, even, that's something
0: that's something that I brought up uh yesterday in a conversation with someone else. Um and while I and while I understand that people see it that way, I think the consensus at the time was already that Stepan was getting traded because okay. there's no move clause kicked in that summer. Gotcha. Um he signed a six year deal in twenty fifteen. Yep. And back in 2015, there were already talks of they're going to trade him in two years before his no-move clause kicks in. Um, do I think the Lundqvist incident played a role in it? Perhaps. Uh, I don't rule it out. I don't think it was the sole reason for Stepan's departure, though. Um, but, you know, maybe they retire his number in a game against the Carolina Hurricanes, so Stepan and Shea can be there and they can reenact that whole, whole yeah. story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's funny okay so uh, a couple more here this one uh i don't agree with at all but i appreciate the donation from 74 jdb says june 26 2000 was a sad day for myself as a rangers fan as a trade dan i'm gonna pronounce his last name wrong uh Clitoria? or i uh, could how do you pronounce it cl cloutier? uh uh yeah yeah cloutier um to the Lightning. And he said Lundqvist retiring? Question mark. Lundqvist is overrated. I won't miss him. That completely makes one of us, my friend. But I uh, I, pre- I appreciate the donation kindly. So I will not, you know, I. I everyone's can, an, everyone's entitled to, to their opinion. opinion. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Absolutely, and that's perfectly fine. But I appreciate the donation. And really. look,
0: if, if he was upset that Den Kluche was traded, that's that just ties into what I said earlier. People have favorite players for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, it could be it could be a, a personal interaction you've had with a guy. It could be that he wears your number that you had when you were playing hockey in high school. It could be that he shares your birthday. It could be that he's from your hometown. Uh, who knows? It could be that he has the same name as you. Um, I will never judge people for having a certain player as their favorite player. Um, so yeah, uh, it's not it's not something I expected to hear today, Dan Cloutier, but. You know, uh it just shows you what a wide variety of fans this 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 team has.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And look, when I think of myself, and let's just do a quick pivot, and I want to say Anthony Anton, who's in the live stream chat right now. Thank you so much for the five dollar donation as well. Anthony's been a great supporter here on the channel, uh before the Rangers podcast even started up, and we made this our normal thing here. So thank you so much for that, Anthony. But when I think of myself as a Ranger fan and um, growing up, who were my favorite players, you know, not, not all of them were like, I was a big Anisimov fan. I liked him a lot. Okay. Like I, I, there were a lot of things I liked about Anisimov's game that, you know, didn't resonate well with a lot of other people. Ryan Callahan, I always was a big fan of as well. Like he was Ryan Callahan and me was the embodiment of, a warrior a guy who would be able to put it all on the line every single game like he was Chordarella's favorite in a lot of ways i would imagine because of just his skill set and i fell in love with him but he wasn't necessarily everyone's favorite either i loved Gavrick, but Gavrick was more of a you know a obvious pick given his goal scoring um when you look at down the road for the rangers with other players i really liked benoit Pouliot. i thought he was so underrated a short-lived tenure with the Rangers. But again, like, we're always going to have our favorites. You know I mean? Matt Zuccarillo was a favorite for mine. Um, but it wasn't just because of, you know, his infectious personality, him coming from Norway because the Rangers scouted him in the Olympics and then he makes an impact in it right away with the Rangers. It was, for me, it was more of a personal connection. And I'm sure you had that same thing with other players, as you said. Like, I'm small in stature, right? You know, I'm 5'5 on a good day, more so 5'4 zuccarello coming in smallest guy on the ice acting like he's a foot taller than he is even shaping up with chara like oh, he does not get I, I remember up. him
0: going up against chara yes
1: it just and- that that like that to me is always how i viewed um you know like especially as a young athlete growing up um even though i didn't play hockey too much is i my main sport was soccer like i always looked up to yeah. matt zuccarello as a guy like play above your height like don't let the last thing you should ever do is let your height define you as a Mm -hmm. human being and just he was a lot i loved everything about him so that that's like my personal connection with him
0: you know when i was little in the early 90s i i gravitated towards players with dutch heritage players like pat verbeek greg devries uh joe new because i'm from the netherlands those names were familiar to me Mm -hmm. and i thought it was interesting there were so many canadians with these dutch last names that I started following them, even when they were not on the Rangers. Um, yep. And, you know, later on, I started to pay attention to players from non-traditional hockey markets. Um, the 94 team. what always stands out to me is that was the first time a Russian player won the Stanley Cup.
1: Oh my God, and, yeah.
0: And we had four of them. That was That was amazing. It was such a... Such a drastic change for Russian hockey to have four players
1: on one team to win the Stanley Cup. And it's mind-boggling that it took them to 94 to get there. <laughs> like, well, ser- like I, I know I know that the face of uh, Russians and their connection in the NHL has drastically changed over the decades. Yeah, but, but also but still,
0: Russians didn't play in the NHL until the early 90s.
1: Okay, all right, fair enough then. That, that's just um, my lack of knowledge.
0: So in the 70s and the 80s, you had some players from Czechoslovakia – uh, who, who would defect from uh, from Eastern Europe, like uh, Nedomansky, uh the Stasny brothers, uh, Peter Nedved is one, of course, and Alex Mogilny from Russia. He defected, I think, in 1989 uh, to play for the Buffalo Sabres. He was one of the first ones to uh, break that barrier, so to speak. Um, and I think the NHL really does a piss-poor job at recognizing the impact those players have had. Um, I think the NHL should recognize the risk those guys took, the yep. courage they had to leave everything behind. Um, there's a story. I think it was Václav Nedomansky, who was playing a tournament in Vienna, and he climbed out of his hotel room window, and there was a car waiting outside. He jumped in the car, and they drove. they drove off, <clears throat> not knowing what the future might hold the Stasny brothers from Czechoslovakia made their way to uh, Quebec and they their family was threatened. They were they were f- almost forced to go back and they didn't. They took a huge risk. And I think the fact that that is not really recognized by the NHL annoys me a lot because it's such a big part of the NHL's history. Yeah. The Russian yeah. players didn't really come to the NHL until the late 80s, early 90s. Um. And the, the Penguins, the Oilers, the Penguins, and the Canadians didn't have any Russians on their team. The Rangers were the first team with Russians to 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 get there, to get that far even. Um, and if the Rangers would have lost, then there was one Russian on the Canucks team that would have been the first one to win that year. Yeah. And that was Evgeny Namesnikov, Vlad Namesnikov's dad.
1: Wow, I didn't know that. There you go. Steven, yeah. every single time we have new episodes, I learn something new and it's normally European based. So I enjoy it. It increases my knowledge. So thank you Go for that. <laughs> um, So here now what I want to talk about, cause you brought this up before we went live. And I think this is actually a great segment. So as we know, again, folks to um, everyone that's been chiming in, the Rangers have made it official that they're going to retire Hank's number this upcoming season, which is amazing. We don't know exactly when that's going to be yet. However, uh, Steven thinks it would be great, especially against the Blues. I think that'd be awesome too. You might wonder is are they just gonna do it on the home opener, like to start the year? Are they are they just not gonna cut corners at all? Just like have it happen uh, in the beginning. The, the,
0: the home opener seems I don't think the home opener is really suited for a banner raising. First of all, I think banner raising on opening night should be limited to which whoever wins the Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not disagreeing with you. But January, there's also the whole player there's, a, opening night. there's also the
0: whole player presentation before the home opener, so you already have a ceremony before the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's fair. The, the game against the Blues is on his birthday, his 40th birthday. Mm-hmm. Seems fitting.
1: And and, and too. I think that makes it even more fitting. To be quite honest, I mean with that, you.
0: that's a nice bonus. But yeah, even yeah. if they, if even if they played against the Canucks or or the Kraken. I still would have picked that day because it's his birthday. It's perfect.
1: Yeah. No, I agree with you. So now I and that's and that's also another good point because obviously the reti- the number of retirement would resonate crazy with him as it was in a positive light, but you also have it with his birthday. So that that could be a huge, you know, birthday gift to him on top of everything. Imagine
0: but, imagine Lundquist walking onto the ice and the the Henrique chance turn into um, happy birthday. Yeah. Happy the the whole garden singing "Happy Birthday, Henrik," or something.
1: That'd be so. Stephen, this is you need to orchestrate this. Okay, we need to make it come to fruition. All all these fantastic ideas and the NHL does nothing with them. Come on, that would that be? I'm getting chills just thinking about you know like the Hank chants because I know it hasn't been that long since we last heard them, but I mean we're never going to hear them again outside of you know when he has his appearances or. If, if he does have a certain role with the Rangers, maybe we, we will hear them more often. If, if he ever finds himself, again, I don't necessarily know if it will come to fruition, but if we ever find ourselves seeing Hank potentially behind the bench at some point, because that's just something that happens. If they did an annual like Henry chant, just like once throughout the entirety of the game, that would be amazing. Um, but again, um, I don't know I how, mean, if that even going to happen. Just, just starting the Henry
0: chant at the 32nd mark would be perfect.
1: <laughs> yes, it would. I love that. Okay. Anyway,
0: we're getting we're getting carried away here.
1: We are getting carried away, but it's a, it's a Henrik episode, all right? This is all about Hank. This is this is all for Hank. Everything else are there's side topics, but we're not going to go nearly in as in depth cuz again, yeah. this is about Hank. But today. yeah, who's so.
0: next? What what is the next banner that's going to go up there? Exactly,
1: exactly. First. And I know who you're going to say, so I'll let you do your pick. Um so w- go ahead, give your pick. I there's again, I think there's at least one player that I feel pretty strongly about you can make the argument for two. The other player that I'm going to mention um, is fairly controversial, not because of what he's done as a hockey player, but just because of things that have come to light regarding him over the past two years. Um, again, though, he's still in the world of hockey. There has just been controversy with him um, and we'll get into that. But who, who's, who do you think should be next for Jersey retirement for the Rangers?
0: It should be Brad Park. Undoubtedly. Um. There's already a number two in the rafters, but there's also two number nines and two number 11s. So who cares? So why
1: not? Why not do the same here, right? Look,
0: Brad Park deserves to be up there. Um, I don't think the '94 team has any players that that really that really should be up there, aside from the four that are already up there. Um, Yager didn't really play with the Rangers long enough to warrant a jersey retirement.
1: You know who uh-huh. I really think would have been there if he wasn't traded, and granted, if he wasn't traded, who knows if the Rangers will have won the Stanley Cup? It's crazy how it worked, but you know, Gartner. Like seriously, if he had a more of a prolonged career with the Rangers, you could definitely make the justification. He was just, yeah. he was just the unfortunate casualty where they felt that they needed to go a different direction mm-hmm. to really round out the well, roster.
0: My controversial pick, though, um, if if the Rangers win a Stanley cup in the next five years and if his, if his game doesn't regress. Oh, I,
1: yeah, obviously, could, obviously I
0: could, I could see Panarin and Fox up there.
1: I, I think, I think we're going to see at least one of those two happen at some point. Uh, I, if Panarin finishes his career with the Rangers, or at least, you know, I, pretty much, if, if Panarin finishes his career with the Rangers, the Rangers win at least one cup with him, you know, he's done everything. Uh, yeah. there's no denying his impact on this club let's not let's not,
0: also not let also not forget how how great his seasons were
1: they you know? a lot, the only reason why maybe somehow some way ranger fans or just hockey fans are pushing them aside a little bit is cuz the rangers did not have playoff runs during those years yet
0: look um Panarin has two of the of the top 5 point per game seasons in rangers franchise history
1: it's kind of a big deal.
0: Yager had a great season in two thousand six. Panarin has done it twice.
1: And how long has Panarin been a Ranger? Two years. Ex- <laughs> there you so,
0: go. <laughs> if his game doesn't doesn't regress, if he puts up ninety points for another five years and he signs an extension, I could see number ten going up there.
1: I I agree with you. So. Now my picks, however, I'm gonna go with Ron Greshner. I think he's a definitely a guy that, from his statistics, is warranted of being up there for sure. Um, I think I do think that, especially over the next five years, that could be something that actually comes. We're gonna to to turn on. Out, We're
0: gonna be like the Yankees and turn and, and run out of single digit numbers.
1: That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> there's there's plenty of numbers that people can choose from. Um, I, I like. I think Greshner is a great pick and a controversial one again because of stuff that has happened. Now with the Rangers, but again, he's still I'm I'm forgetting what role he currently has, but I know he's still in the hockey world is John Van beesbrook Um he he's definitely a guy you can make an argument for as well. Um I think he's what actually did he one,
0: was it 32?
1: 34. 34, okay. One of the most underrated, I think, Rangers of all time from all my homework I've done by him. Um, A a good family friend of mine, especially when I first became a Rangers fan, um, uh, I was doing a lot of my research on the Rangers and goaltending because I was so obsessed with Hank and saw a lot with Van Beesbrook. And I asked him, you know, who is your favorite player growing up? And he's like, he's always been uh, Van Beesbrook. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay. And I didn't really know him. So that's why I did my homework. And again, I know that there are things that have happened outside of with the Rangers that have caused controversy over the past year or two. But no less, um, he's definitely a guy that I think you can make a fair argument for, uh, for sure. Um, uh, Same thing, again, you can't make it. I think what sucks a little bit too, and Sean, all right, let's talk about JD for a second because I know that you're not infatuated with JD and I know that JD wasn't an absolutely stellar goaltender during his tenure with the Rangers. But if JD's career with the Rangers didn't end the way it just has as being team president, there could have been an argument one way or another for either his number to be retired or something to be more in his honor, given what he has done throughout just the entirety of his lifetime in the Rangers organization, not just as a player, but of course doing the broadcasting and then lean up to uh, presidency. If he stayed with the Rangers, however, but because that breached an abrupt end, that's not going to happen, but that's something that I do think about as well.
0: Yeah, I think his uh, his tenure as a president really tarnished his legacy with the Rangers. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate, but yeah. Um, I, I don't know if there are any other numbers to retire. Um, of course, the Rangers won three Stanley Cups in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. Uh, was it 1928, 1933, and 1940? Um, and... There were some some players that were involved in those Cups, but I don't think the NHL had assigned jersey numbers at the time yet. So how would you retire a number for someone didn't didn't have a specific number? Okay. Um, yeah. But I think someone mentioned Frank Boucher. Okay. Um, Emile Francis. Um, yes. You know, there are some names – that that really deserve to be up there, maybe not with a number, but definitely with a name. Um, I think Emil Francis deserves to be up there for what he means to this organization as a coach. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, Billy Joel has a has a has a banner in the rafter, so
1: yeah. I mean that that man's been in MSG just about as much as any player. You know yeah. <laughs> that's why. If Billy Joel um, can have a banner, then Emil
0: Francis can have one
1: too. Fair enough okay so yeah that was our thoughts folks on the really <laughs> potential players that we could see in the rafters for the rangers in the coming years after hank's retirement this upcoming season so now we're going to take a pivot from lundquist and the retirement stuff and we're now going to be talking about really just prospect updates you know as we inch closer closer to the rangers this upcoming season between training camp preseason the traverse city um all that stuff um Steven, what is your latest on prospects? I know that you have already this year interviewed some prospects for the Rangers as well. So if you'd like to um, indulge a little bit further on all that, please let us know yeah. what's been going on with them.
0: Um, yeah, I had a, um, a Zoom interview with Jaroslav uh, Kmalars, who was the Rangers fifth round pick this year. So that's an interview coming up. Very interesting to talk to a, a kid from the Czech Republic who moved to, moved to Finland at age 14 with his dad.
1: And if you guys um, don't know, by the way, the interview, you can check it out. It should be on Steven's Twitter. And are you going to have it for Forever Blue Shirts as well as an article? Yes, for? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if you guys want to check it out, Steven on his Twitter. Uh, very soon we'll be having that upload if you guys want to make yeah. sure you read it.
0: Um, so interesting story about him, how he ended up in Finland, um, and just the overall development of his career. Um, yeah, interesting story. Um, other than that, Carl Hendrickson, uh, who signed his entry-level contract is flying to New York on September 9th. Um, so he can join the Rangers for preseason and training camp. Exciting Um, stuff. Kapo Kako is currently still in Finland practicing with Mikko Mikko Rantanen. Um, he will fly to New York mid-September. Um, so around the 13th, 14th, Uh, of course, preseason for the Rangers starts September 26th. This is the first time in many years the Rangers are not playing a preseason game against the Flyers. By the way, wow! Um, they're playing against the Devils, the Islanders, and the Bruins. So the Bruins are a new preseason opponent for the Rangers. You know Rangers.
1: what? I, I like the fact that they're facing Boston. Give us an early look against them because it's always tough games against Boston, and but sometimes we don't play Boston for a while in the season. Give me a little hockey is a little the one.
0: only sport in North America that doesn't have a New York Boston rivalry.
1: Which is stupid as all hell because they try they try to promote it, but it unfortunately when they promoted it in recent years for the most part the Rangers haven't been on the level Boston like the Rangers were already dwindling down outside their playoff runs you know with the Thanksgiving game and everything like it's just it's not the same so when they're both on the same level Boston is going to be competing this year so will the Rangers however and the Rangers will be in a better spot than what they were last year to what significance we. We don't know yet. Um, yeah. Again, the Rangers aren't even done with their offseason. At least we don't think so. We'll see what the future holds, yeah. however. So um, so going, going back to prospects
0: quickly, Larry Payuniemi will move to North America this summer.
1: I'm excited um, to see what he's going to do
0: because he bounced back quite
1: nicely from his injury too.
0: Yeah. I think Morgan Barron will start the year in Hartford because there's just a log jam. Uh, yeah, it's office. too deep right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Hartford's going to be an interesting uh, team to follow this year. Um, last season, of course, they had this weird situation where they only played two teams: the Providence Bruins and the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, uh, who are now rebranded to the Bridgeport Islanders, I think.
1: Um, That's that just, sounds better than the Sound Tigers. Yeah, it's long. weird to be
0: called the Islanders when you play on the mainland, though.
1: I Agree. I can agree with that, but I'm more. I, I'm not. I guess I'm not foreign to it, especially with other sports and baseball as well. You know, like the Syrac the Mets have the Syracuse Mets in Triple A. Like it's it's a common thing, you know. So Sound Tigers, yeah. I can live without it. Yeah, the Hartford Rangers would be nice. Wolf Wolfpack's cool. It just feels it just doesn't tie too much.
0: But we we've been over this in the previous life. recording. The Wolf Wolfpack. Uh, appeal neither to Ranger fans nor to Whalers fans.
1: I know it's a dope logo, though.
0: It's it's a great logo, but it's it it's like it's a logo that you expect in a video game.
1: Yes, one hundred percent. When you're making and, um, a custom roster for uh, Chal.
0: Whaler fans don't like the Wolfpack because it's it's a Rangers affiliate, and Ranger fans don't give a shit because. It's not It's not a Rangers. It, it doesn't feel like a Rangers affiliate.
1: There would 100% be more fan attendance and appeal, I'd imagine, if they were just called the Hartford Rangers.
0: Even, as silly even, as that may
1: sound, that'll they, get the job done. Mark They don't even
0: have to call themselves Rangers, as long as they use the same color scheme. Look at the Syracuse Crunch. Yep. The Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Yep. The Utica Comets, before they became the Utica Devils now, I think. Um. They play in the color scheme of their NHL team. So it gives you more recognition from the fan base and players too. Uh, Nikita Kucherov said in an interview that when he played it for the Syracuse Crunch, it felt like he was playing for the Tampa Bay Lightning already because everything in Syracuse was the same as it was in Tampa.
1: The colors I will say drove me nuts because their jersey color, the blue, I think, does not match their shorts. Um, just, just a little thing I've thrown out there because I've seen them in person against the Phantoms because I am very close to the Phantoms arena. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just just a little pet peeve I have. Okay. Yeah. No, but
0: <clears throat> but those teams have have done the branding to correspond with the NHL teams branding, and the Rangers never really did that with the Wolfpack. They made they gave the Wolfpack their own identity, and it just doesn't work. Um, but from a player perspective, this upcoming season is going to be very interesting towards the Hartford Wolfpack. I hope they upgrade the cameras because we're gonna have Braden Schneider, Matthew Robertson, Zach Jones, Hunter Skinner, Petra Kodarenko, Justin Richards, Morgan Barron, Rory Paryuniemi, all in Hartford. It's going to be a great season to to you know to invest in 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 that team, you know, to um to follow them around.
1: Um Quick uh, tidbit here because from my I've seen in the chat right now. and Thank you, everyone, that's in the live stream currently. Um, and if you're w- listening to this on replay, wherever you get your podcast, thank you so much for that as well. But uh, this guy, Johnny Red, says here, Rangers aren't participating in Traverse City for some reason this year. Do you know why that exactly is? I don't think there is a Traverse City tournament this year. He said we are having the, t- they are having the tournament, but the Rangers really? aren't going to be a part of it. So okay. that's something I'll have to do my homework on because I didn't know that.
0: Um, I, I know that the Rangers aren't in it. I just assumed that, the the tournament. It's, weird. it's
1: weird to see them not a part of it. And if it's still running,
0: um, let me check quickly. Oh yeah. No, it's there. Uh, I think the Dallas stars are replacing them. Okay. Uh, blue jackets, Maple Leafs, Red Wings, stars and blues. Hmm um okay so it's still it's still happening uh the rangers just aren't in it i don't know if this is a one-time thing maybe they'll be back next year um but i know COVID changed a lot of things of course
1: yeah yeah so i'm sure that's probably what went into it honestly yeah um yeah.
0: okay all right but yeah, well, so prospect-wise for the rangers you know the, the most exciting prospects are already in new york yes uh, Capo Kako is going to start his third season. Kraftsoff and Lafreniere start their second seasons.
1: Ooh, baby, I'm so- excited.
0: <laughs> Kraftsoff is basically his first full-time. Um, we'll see how he does. Nils Lundqvist is coming over. That's what I'm most excited for.
1: Oh my. On a scale of mm-hmm. 1 to 10, what, how amped do you think you're going to be when you see Niels in his first preseason game? Um,
0: I hope I'll be able to make it to New York for that one okay um but i'm going to watch the games regardless um it's going to be something i've looked forward to for three years I've, I've followed the kid around for the last three years i've i've hung out with his family um you're literally
1: I, his uncle Stephen.
0: um i i've interviewed him several times uh-huh. um he recorded a, a happy birthday video for my for my fiance and then when i ran into him three months later he asked me if my fiance liked the video so
1: Oh, yeah. wow.
0: <laughs> Steven, you have it's... a
1: relationship with the future Norris Trophy winner. That's insane. Oh,
0: no, it, nah, dude, I, I, I don't want to jinx it. I mean – I'm not, we, we I'm really not jinxing one. the
1: inevitable, Steven. We'll, we're going to get him on the pod at some point, okay? And we're, this is going to be amazing.
0: It's it's just nice to see the kid finally make it to New York, and I hope he uh, I hope he meets the expectations that we set for him.
1: Um, uh, I, I agree. I mean – He's been so exciting, and he again, it's fun when you think about Niels because he was pushed to—I shouldn't say pushed aside, but he like when the Rangers were in the hardest rebuild, Niels wasn't the first guy you thought of, especially early, because when the Rangers drafted him, the scouts were saying, "Oh, this is an interesting pick, undersized defense, but <laughs> of course, if he's not six foot, God forbid, he has no chance," you know. Um, yeah. Even though Niels, then he didn't have the same offensive production, but he goes. Into the, uh, I believe that was his first year. Then, upcoming SHL just continues to absolutely light it up year in year out. He has been fantastic. I mean, look, you've seen Niels play so much more than I have, but just everything that I know about him—the power play quarterback ability, the smooth skating, just effortless touch when he steps on the ice, the leadership qualities at such a young age, the wicked shot on the point, and can be in the left dot with the righty. I just he has all the qualities that would bring you excitement as a Rangers fan for what he can do on defensive and offensive side of things.
0: Yeah. No, I'm I'm looking at, you know, because I have the uh, the black book. Okay. Of all the drafts going back to like 2015. That's actually cool. I like that. And it's interesting to read up on what they wrote three years ago about Lundquist. Longquist is a unique defender in the 2018 draft. In a class that has a lot of large defenders without a lot of high-end skill um, and a ton of smaller defensemen that have skill but aren't as physically mature, Niels is an outlier in the sense that he's got a really impressive offensive skill set to go along with a physical dimension to his game. He's arguably one of the most well-rounded defensemen in the draft, which is why we think so highly of him.
1: There you go. I mean, it's, it's holding true to this point. It's, it's interesting to read this back three years later sometimes. Uh, it's inter- it's interesting. You'll, you got to love it. And again, scouting is such a difficult game. And I, people don't seem to understand that, okay? Just yeah. because you scout so well does not mean that the player you select, that you view so coveted, is ever going to actually give you what you were hoping for. You know, busts happen to left and right. And in general, whether you're a poor scout or a great scout – Everyone also gets lucky with picks too, for the most part. So you might not necessarily be deemed as a great scout, but you've also been fortunate to be in the right place at the right time or vice versa, where you've been a really strong scout, historically speaking, but you're never going to be perfect. But I love it too when you see the stories, however, of guys that, you know, just everyone absolutely rags on. Oh, there's no, like where people have the audacity and I, I don't understand this about right writers, whoever it is, that have the absolute balls to say, oh, this guy has zero chance. He's a bum. He won't amount to anything. You know, this is such a terrible pick. Like they emphasize that so hard mm-hmm. without this guy even having the chance to show his development. And then he becomes a stud. I'm like, you just yeah. had to fuel the fire. Like you yeah. like they're just there's idiots out there. Never never say that anything's impossible for any athlete until it truly reaches the point where yeah it's impossible like they have time to develop okay let them develop
0: i remember when the rangers picked chris Kreider in 2009 and fans were complaining because we passed on jordan schroeder and jacob josephson who and who exactly at the time jordan schroeder was i think the top goal scorer in the world juniors two years in a row and jacob josephson played great for sweden but they went with Kreider who was playing high school hockey in his draft year. It was a bit of a it was a bit of a risk but it it it, it worked out. <clears throat> and that's why these books are so interesting to hang on to and then look back years from now. Nils Lundqvist I've been saying this for the last 3 years. I've been telling people, you know, Nils Lundqvist might be 5'11 but he plays like he's 6'4. You know, he he plays a physical style of hockey when he needs to. He's not the type of, he's not, he's not Braden McNabb who just goes around hitting everything. But when he needs to, he will hit a player and, and slam him into the boards. Um, yeah, I'm just excited to see Nils Lundqvist finally
1: put on that Rangers jersey. Not to draw complete comparisons, but I know it's awfully difficult for more reasons than one. But do, at what similarities at all do you see between Neil's game and Adam Fox? I think,
0: I think Adam Fox is the better overall defenseman. Of course, I think Nils Lundqvist is. Um, it, I think Nils. The, the thing where Nils Lundqvist stands out more, in my opinion, is his leadership and uh, his defensive side. When he's in his own zone, um, he usually covers for his uh, for his defensive mate that he plays with. Okay. His, his gap control and, and lateral movement is what sets him apart for me. Okay. He skates sideways faster than some
1: players skate forward sometimes. Uh, that's a, At least that's so, what it looks like. So, fun, so much fun to watch. That's There's what it nothing looks Nothing like. better than having a, a loose, nimble skater that just, you know, is looking like a dancer out there and just taking the puck up and down the ice.
0: <clears throat> yeah. And the leadership, I, I've mentioned this before in a previous recording, but the leadership of Nils Lundqvist is something that his teammates in lulea uh, they all they all mention it even the swedish national team this kid was an alternate captain for the swedish men's national team this year when he was 20 years old these players look up to him because he do, he knows what what to do he knows where to go he knows where the puck is going to be and the way he's coaching his his teammates from the bench he's almost like he's almost like another coach it's almost like they have three assistant coaches behind the bench it's it's remarkable, and I don't think I've ever seen that from a prospect that I've invested so much time in because, um, as you know, I always like to sit behind the bench and observe players, yeah. see how they respond to a bad shift, see how they respond to their teammate, um, you know, getting a penalty or whatever. And he just stands out as a guy who is always calm. You know, he never gets rattled, and I look forward to him being on the Rangers. Uh, he's going to play in a um, – Shelter role behind Fox and Truba, which is fine. You know, let him adjust to to hockey in the NHL. I like that he's going to play with Patrick Nemeth, so he has a, a Swedish defensive partner. Um, him and Zbanejad have uh, have spoken to each other several times already, so there's there's that familiarity. I think he's going to be okay. Uh, I I don't know what number he's going to go with. I assume twenty seven, um, but. When he was in the um, prospect camp three years ago, he was given number sixty-four.
1: No, no. I, I mean, as much as it'll feel weird to see him having Mac Truck's number at first, uh, sixty-four personally is not going to sit well with me on that back end. It just no. nah. Uh, if, if it's, take mate. take take away the sixty-four and just be in a single digit. You know, like yeah. that's what I would do in that scenario. But okay, so. My my kind of response to you on Niels is I think that his upside can be greater than Fox to a certain extent when it comes to the power play quarterback ability. And what I mean by that is, and this is something that I've discussed with my brother playing, I'm pretty sure I've discussed it with you and others, is while Foxy is fantastic at keeping the puck in the offensive zone, nothing gets past him for the most part on that line. And he's constantly cycling the puck, just getting the shot on that he also slows down the mo the momentum a little bit too and i feel like he has a certain slow approach that isn't always beneficial to the rangers trying to have their power play success Niels Mm -hmm. from the film that i've seen which again is not the same as yours because i know you've seen a lot more of him than i have he has an aggressiveness to him that i think that can bring more excitement to the power play along with just you know a bang bang boom. You know a quick play to bring in a goal. I think his shot has more potential potentially than Fox as well, um, especially yeah. because he's a guy that can be utilized in the left dot. You know, Foxy he doesn't have a bad shot, but you're not expecting him to go bar down. That's something that Niels no, can no, no, do. Uh, Lundqvist
0: has yeah, Lunquist has a great shot, and he reminds me of Duncan Keith when he shoots the puck. Okay, um, he has like this this really quick release. He doesn't wind the stick all the way up. He winds it up like halfway and he gets the shot off so much quicker than goalies anticipate that they always get caught off guard by it. If he can get that shot off in the NHL, it's going to be just as effective.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So th- that's really kind of what stands out to me, where I don't, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of comparisons and similarities, which is great. I mean, if, if Niels becomes anything that what Adam Fox is today and what will continue to be, then, then, Boy, oh boy, are opposing clubs in for a problem with this Rangers defense, let me tell you. Um, And that's not even accounting for the development still of Keandre Miller, Ryan Lindgren, Jacob Truba, his impact, Zachary Jones, who people have toyed out with the idea is, for lack of a better word, a left-handed Adam Fox in certain comparisons. So Niels, again, power playability is going to be really fun and interesting to see. How much at all he will have because remember when Foxy in his rookie year for the Rangers <coughs> and he didn't have too much power play time, and that was because of Tony D taking off below, and rightfully so. Tony D was fantastic yeah. on the power play for the Rangers. But now I feel that we might see ourselves in a little bit of a similar situation with Niels, at least his first year or two in, because you already have guys like Foxy. But if Truba gets more locked in in the fact that he isn't expected to have much of offensive production like what he did. And his final year with the Jets, then maybe we can see more of Niels. Like if they balance power plays one and two, sign me the hell up to have Niels be your power play quarterback on power play two, or even sometimes at one. Just have things a little bit more balanced. And I think that's gonna help the Rangers have more continued success on special teams.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um they 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 definitely need to um they definitely need to balance it out. Um we'll see what happens, but Lunquist yeah, I, I, I just, I just want to see him on, on, uh, on garden ice. You know, it's been three years, and um, yeah, I look forward to his NHL career uh, starting off.
1: You and I both. So. With that being said, Stephen, that is going to wrap up our episode of Rangers Review. We are roughly an hour and 20 minutes into this one. So to everyone that chimed in for the live stream, thank you so much. We appreciate you guys. Between the donations, everything, it does mean a lot. We're going to have more great content coming up. We'll probably be back in another week or so unless something drastic happens that we have to do some breaking news upon. But, yeah, awesome episode as always. Uh, shout out to Kane Henrik-Lundqvist again. Wishing him nothing but the best in his retirement. I'm excited hey, to see what is going on before, be before
0: we wrap up. Um, there's a tweet by Larry Brooks that is interesting for everyone.
1: Is it interesting though? <laughs> let me let me know.
0: WRHF has agreed to purchase insurance, including COVID coverage, for NHL players participating in Olympic qualifiers. If if that is an indicator for them to do that for the Olympics as well, we might see NHL players in the Olympics next year.
1: Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. Okay, that'll be nuts. I mi- I miss seeing the NHLers in there. I do. The obvious thing that I don't like about NHL players in Olympics, and this is a selfishness on my part is the injury factor as stupid as that may be to say that is something I worry about depending on when the Olympics <laughs> will happen. But if yeah. they're so entertained, there's so much fun to watch, sign me up. I'm in far more favor than against it. So, yeah, if that if that comes to fruition. That'd be really sick. So some breaking so, news here. So Final.
0: Which 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 Rangers would make their national teams?
1: Fox for Team USA. Yeah. Um, Igor could could potentially be backup for Russia. Yeah. Um, unless actually maybe not. Um, starter would probably be Vasilevsky. This is with the assumption that they all yeah. choose to do it. But starter for Russia would probably be Vasilevsky. Backup might be Varlamov. Or Sorokin. Um, or Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky. Oh, yeah, true. So, yeah, Igor probably won't be in there. Um Foxy for the Rangers. Panarin, Panarin. for Russia. Uh, Spanjad for Sweden. Absolutely. How come? um hmm, Maybe How come? Lindgren cracks for Team USA on defense. I'd have to look at the depth. But, I mean, Cry- Lindgren, look, Kreider. Kreider, yeah, will definitely be in there. Um Heedle might actually crack.
0: Uh Heel for the Czech Republic.
1: Yeah. Um, um given their depth. Uh shoot. Truba for Team USA, maybe? Who for Team USA? Truba. Truba? Oh, uh Truba's Canadian Truba's wait, Truba's Canadian. Is he is he Canadian? No, yes, I think. Truba's Canadian. Yeah, Canadian. yeah no. you're making no. Hold on. He was born in Rochester. Oh, why am I thinking he's Canadian? He's go, American. Oh, maybe, maybe it's because he went to. Maybe because he was at Winnipeg. Wow, I'm a maybe Canadian. maybe that's why.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, but it's definitely
1: he, that. Yeah, definitely that. Okay, Truba maybe for Team USA. Maybe. Okay. Um. Hmm. Any more? I'm thinking of right now. Hmm. It sucks not being able to say. Oh well, obviously Zook's going to be captain, like for Norway, representing the Rangers. I mean, I Zoop think it's too early there. for last sure.
0: year because it's team Canada
1: too early, too early. I agree.
0: Um,
1: but yeah, mm. definitely
0: Fox. Maybe, maybe Nils Longquist.
1: Nils for Sweden. I, I feel that they'll have too much depth. Maybe, maybe
0: um, we'll see. I think it depends on how his season goes, but. If NHL players are involved in the Olympics, uh, it's going to impact the season too.
1: It is hundred percent. So. It'll be curious to see when they do it. Uh, that would be the biggest thing, you know. Um, but exciting stuff, no less. Well, I think it's um, February. Uh, Winter Olympics. What's that?
0: The Winter Olympics, I think, are in February.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that'll be. Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know that this is going to be a conversation for another day. It really is. I'm going to, we're going to have to do more research on it because that's, that's exciting, but you're right. It does impact the schedule quite a bit. So thank you for that breaking news. Larry Brooks here with something to actually be excited about a little bit, depending on how much interest you have in the winter Olympics uh, for the NHL. So again, everybody, thank you so much to everyone that chimed in the live stream, or if you're listening to this on replay, Please make sure to leave us a pleasant review. If you're <laughs> listening to the podcast from that means a lot. And also, leave us a comment, a like, a subscription if you're watching through the YouTube channel, Awardee NHL. But the name is going to be changed sooner or later as well, mainly just going back to Rangers review here. So thank you so much, everyone. Steven, any final thoughts before we get out of here?
0: Um, not really. Um, I guess we'll have to wait for the Olympic news now.
1: I guess we will. So, Steven, thank you, my friend. And as always, everybody, let's go Rangers.
0: Let's go Rangers.